Are you or your family experiencing the following ongoing traits? Scatteredness of mind, a lack of concentration, depression, uncontrollable anger, bitterness, resentment, worry, or stress. Do you and members of your family suffer from constant financial problems? Are you seeing a trend of specific sicknesses in your life that can be traced back through your family line? You could be suffering from The Rob and Caleb Show. Please hang up and try again. Torah Resource presents The Rob and Caleb Show. All aboard! And now, from two sides of the same state, here they are, Rob and Caleb. What up and shalom! Welcome to The Rob and Caleb Show. My name is Caleb Hag, and with me, as always, a Rob Van Hoff. What up and shalom, Rob? Preparing my papers. Are you preparing your papers? <laughs> Actually, they're just scribbled. There's nothing to do with the show, but I just thought it'd be fun to have papers. Have papers. I've done that before. Actually, believe it or not. Hey, welcome everyone to the show. We've had some really fun emails recently. Some really good emails this last week. And when I say good, I mean uh, the reason I say that is because we have good emails every single week. But this week we had really uh, encouraging emails, which was fun. I think it's because we. Got upset about <laughs> about everybody saying we were bullies last week, uh, but no, we had some really really nice emails. One person said that they've actually started uh, taking Hebrew, and hey, cool, they, and they've done that because they they were encouraged by our show, and so they uh, they started taking Hebrew. Let me get to my email. Sorry here. Uh, let's see here. So this is one I got. I haven't even shared this with Rob. This is one I got today, and I uh, I thought this was great. Uh, this person, I won't, I won't give a name, but she says, uh, love the Robin Caleb show. Your humor is warped like mine. I am not able to send you a sound bite because of lack of knowledge and a 70 year old brain that is too slow to learn without frustrating the teacher. But I think a toilet being flushed would speak correctly on your job as the theology police. I am aware that I just... We man the toilet. Yeah. She said, I am aware that I just wrote a run-on sentence. I can't physically run anymore, but still enjoy running on sentences. (laughs) I don't know why, but that really just made my day. Uh... Well, thank you very much to you who wrote that. And uh, thank you, everyone, for sending us emails. Uh, Rob's wife, Jenny, <laughs> she... Uh, this is funny. You're going to tell this. Yeah, go for it. You tell the story. Well, she said, uh, you know, she doesn't really watch the Robin Kaler show. None of our wives actually listen or so, watch yeah, the, the Robin Kaler show. She, she watched like 20 minutes. I thought she probably watched it just for a couple minutes. She said, no, I watched about 20 minutes of it. I'm like, wow, you actually made it through that far? She's like, Caleb looks so nice, and you look, you know, get rid of the blanket. That was the one thing she said. Because she watched one where I had, like, had, I had a blanket on because I was freezing. Well, you're in your basement, right? Yeah. So she's like, get rid of the blanket, and you need to wear some nice shirts like <laughs> Caleb does. So she watched, happened to watch one where you had a nice button-up, uh, you know, nice shirt on where i wasn't looking like a slob so so she's like she's telling me you look like a slob you're representing (laughs) our family (laughs) so it was funny so i I actually i don't know i got rid of the blanket at least but she (laughs) suggests she she suggested that we should do something new called hat for the hoff yeah you're always wearing you're always wearing a hat (laughs) that's awesome uh, so her, her suggestion was that people could send you hats, but I think logistically, although it's a great idea, 
Uh, and the idea was that you could, uh, Rob could wear a different hat every show. If you really like, if you're, if you like are a hat person and you have a hat that you just want to send me, just send me a note, let me know and we'll figure it out. That would be hilarious. And I'll, I can wear it. Cause I, I um, can, I can imagine some of the joke, you know, some of the great hats that would come in. So a hat for the Hoff. Hat for the Hoff. We're not asking <laughs> for, uh, it. it's just a, an idea. Please, um, please don't inundate us with, uh, with hats. I can just see our our PO box being filled with hats. Okay, well, hey, let's uh, let's move on. Actually, before we get into topic, and everyone might have noticed we had a little bit uh, of an extra intro today. I'm going to talk about that. That actually will tie into our show a little bit. Uh, there's a reason that I pulled that specific clip to put at the beginning of our intro. Uh, but before we get into that, let's talk about some sound clips. We got. We got a lot of good sound clips that came to us this week, and uh, these some of them will be entering the uh, the vault so that we can play them whenever we want. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to find a couple that I made. Uh, oh yeah. So well, let's let's go to who who was it who? Oh, Adam 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 is the one who uh, who sent us. Some of these longer clips, uh, and now I've taken parts of these and I have brought them down into smaller clips. So here are some of the new clips that. Uh, well, these are the full clips that were sent to us. Here's one. It's time to meet our creator. Hail to thee, O Lord. Actually, it's pronounced Lloyd. <laughs> All these years we've been saying it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All these years we've been saying it wrong. Uh, that 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 reminds me of the sacred neighbors. <laughs> it does. Uh, this one, uh, let's see here. This one I really like, and I actually took a piece of this and I chopped it down into a smaller. And this is from Adam, also, right? This is from Adam, also. Here you go. I think I think I'm Jewish. Okay, good to know. Oliver thinks he's Jewish. So am I. I'm Buddhist. There is no God. I'm a Buddhist. Yes, you get the idea. We celebrate all the religions of the world in this room, Oliver. I'm a Catholic, which is the best of all the religions, really, because we have the most rules and the best clothes. But among us, there's also a Buddhist, agnostic, we have a Baptist, and we have a I don't know, which seems to be the fastest growing religion in the world. <laughs> now, we have I think I'm Jewish, which is a new one for the class, Oliver, so thanks for that. <laughs> so thanks for that. Uh, so I like that because we have the most. Yeah, so basically I took that, and let's see here. I'm sorry, got to get back here. This is the sound clip that I pulled from that. I'm a Catholic, which is the best of all the religions really because we have the most rules and the best clothes <laughs> so that's good uh we i also have some other ones but uh didn't you uh oh yeah I, I pulled this clip for you rob so anytime you want to hear this now we have this and on the twist of a word everything changes <laughs> uh the pause is yeah, like the pause is just tangible epic you can, yeah Okay, um, so yeah, I actually have a bunch more, but uh, that's okay. Uh, you got, now, right before we came on air, Rob had me download two clips. What do you have, do you want, is there a specific time that you need to do this oh, at? Oh, well, we, um, I, there was, well, there was two things I wanted to, to chat about. One, I had a, a great conversation with 
with Yehoshua, uh, brother. He's he's the one that had sent some uh, Monty Python clips a couple mm-hmm, weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about this whole uh, deal of of our approach. Yours you know? and mine, you mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. like our approach on on the Robin Caleb show. Mm-hmm. And how does that reflect on like Tor Resource, Tor Resource Institute, and this sort of thing? And uh, but he he's he came up with the the bumper sticker, um, delivering the sensationalized or like this idea yeah. of people being in in a a slavery of sensationalism, like they're consuming, you know, things that are really slickly produced, you know, without without being able to discern the content and. Um, I, it made me think, you know, I got to thinking about stuff we were talking about, uh, Yehoshua and I, yesterday, and, um, you know, we're, we're not producing fancy videos, you know, we're not, we're not asking, we're not trying to raise a bunch of money for some vision of, <laughs> of, tr- of finding treasure or, you know, we're, we're lowly we're podcasters, any crazy claims, what's that? We're lowly podcasters, we're like well, the bot. we're like yeah, the bottom I, of the barrel. I mean, we're not making claims, <laughs> these earth shattering like uh, you know, actually, Rob, I would I would disagree with that. We are making an earth-shattering claim, and that earth-shattering claim is that the Messiah came and died for his elect. That's right. earth. That's earth-shattering. Okay. Absolutely, Amen. I stand corrected. But that's I understand first, what you're saying. First time today, I've been corrected. <laughs> Nor will it. But no. But what I mean to say is, we're not we're not selling these big, uh, you know, Indiana Jones. We're gonna we're gonna. Discover these ancient mysteries, or we're Let's not go we're find not, the Holy Grail. Yeah, you know we're not doing any of that stuff, you know. And so what we're doing, but but we're not letting other people, you know, when it comes on our radar, if someone else is doing that, and and the name of Messiah Yeshua is associated with what they're doing, and for example, in the case of Barfield, you know, he's trying to use Strong's Concordance as a dictionary for interpreting the Copper Scroll, you know. And then and raise money for that effort. It's it, we have to call it out. We can't. Um, and this is not a Matthew eighteen thing. Well, before you, you get know, to this, be, this, before you get to Matthew eighteen, I mean, I, I I'm on the same page with you because this last week we've had uh, I've had you know we've we talked about this a little bit last week, but um, I've had people tell me that uh, well f- you know like we've we've put down people and I shouldn't say put down we've disagreed strongly and perhaps with Michael you know people like Michael Rude uh we have strongly opposed Michael Rude on a ton of what he's said uh and I think rightly so and with Michael Rude you have pe- you know pe- people that have been in the messianic movement for a while and aren't just coming into it they pretty much realize that that Rude is like yeah he's he's kind of the I mean, he's kind of a joke in the in the messianic world now. I I'm not tr- trying to be mean. That's just you know, well, pe- not the whole messianic. I think there's a lot of there are people who follow him, but you know, you you say Michael Rood in a in a messianic setting, most of the time people roll their eyes. And then recently, like last week and the week before, and and whatnot, we've talked about uh, 119 Ministries. And so this past week, somebody was chatting with me on Facebook and. They basically said, you know, you, you said that we can't trust 119 Ministries, but surely we agree with 119 Ministries on, on the Messiah and, and these kind of things. And this person was very offended that I had made this comment in one of my blog posts that, that you know, we can't trust 119 Ministries. And so the idea of a black mark on scholarship is kind of what has been mull, I've been mulling over in my, my brain which is that how far does it does a teacher or or an organization have to go 
down the wrong path before we say, before in our own minds, when they come out with something new, we say, well, I don't know if I can't trust that until I, you know, I can't just accept what they say. I have to trust it. And people would say, oh, you should do that no matter what, which we should. But the point is, is people don't do that. People glob onto these ministries and they just automatically think whatever this ministry puts out is going to be good or whatever this, you know, whatever this scholar puts out is going to be good. You know, uh, Michael Rude, there's so many different things that we could bring up. 119 Ministries now, on the other hand, no, they haven't denied the the deity of the Messiah. You know, they've come out with some interesting and wacky teachings, but but nothing per se that I would say, oh, you know, heresy or anything like that. You know, I disagree with their timeline on the chronology of the crucifixion, which is now popping up everywhere online again because Passover is starting to come up. Right. Um, but, but you know, they've now backed the Copper Scroll Project, and with some of our interaction with 119 Ministries, I realize that they're not placing a high value on scholarship, and they're not placing a high value on on the hard work that it takes to do the right kind of scholarship, and that kind of stuff. So in my mind, uh, now when people say 119 Ministries says, or whatever, the first thing I think is, I'm going to have to research like deeply research whatever they say, because to me, they've made this black mark on their theology now where it's like, no, I can't trust what they say because they've, they've taken this stance of it doesn't matter. We don't know one way or another, but we're still going to sell one way. Here's another way that what what you're describing that I think of it. I think of it back. I go to it a lot. You know, Yeshua talks about the difference between building on sand and building on rock. And if someone comes to me and they have this big thing and then, and I can show that they're building on sand, when they come to me again and saying, telling me how excited they are about building something else, I can't, I'm not just going to assume it's on rock. I'm like, okay, this person built on the sand before and didn't know it. And now they're telling me that they're building something else. I personally want to investigate the foundations before I agree or disagree, you know, with what they're saying. Um, I'm not, you know, the other thing is, is that people might think that that's really harsh. To be honest, if, if uh, one nineteen and, you know, I deal with things wrongly, I'm sure, quite often. There are a lot of times where I, you know, I might fly off the handle because I think something's wrong and whatnot, and I'm trying to defend. It comes off as arrogant, I'm sure, and uh, hostile. And that's, that's not right. You know, we need, to, we need to do things in a loving way, and, and I'm, I'm working on that. But one of the things that really shocked me about our interaction with 119 Ministries was their response. If they would have just come out and said, you know what? Uh, the evidence, because this isn't a theological issue. It's not like, oh, we believe this and they believe that. The 119 ministries back in the Copper Scroll, the, the stuff on the Copper Scroll, it's just fact. There's no like, there's no leeway on this. There's no like, oh, they can disprove this theologically. The paleography is quite clear that they're wrong. And the way that they handled it wasn't, oh, well, okay, yeah, we've been, you know, we can see that it's wrong. It's, oh, well, we don't really care. We're going to sell it anyway. Yeah, that's, you know, it's funny. There was, uh, I watched online this uh, movie called, I think it was done maybe five years ago or so. It's called The the Truth Behind, dot, dot. So they have all these, like, one-hour shows called The Truth Behind. And one was, like, the truth, I think it's Truth Behind the Dead Sea Scrolls. And they interview a guy who's on this, who's who's on a copper scroll crusade. Of course. Um, He believes, he took the, the Greek letters, that are in it, and he put them all together, and it spells Achnaten. So he thinks it has ties to Israel 
in Egypt, you know, in, in slavery, and that Israel learned monotheism from Pharaoh Akhenaten, and that the <laughs> treasures that it leads to are not even in the land of Israel. It's treasure map to like uh, uh, Luxor or somewhere in Egypt. I don't know. Uh, uh. <laughs> so you think, yeah, it's, there's crazy. And then there's a, another guy, um, prof, a professor from Hebrew University, who is uh, <laughs> Sorry. a professor from Hebrew University that is digging a cave right now. And he thinks it is uh, one of the caves mentioned in the Copper Scroll. And so, uh, it's, and it's none of the guys that Barfield, at least that I've seen, has even talked to. So, uh, I, don't, I don't want to give Barfield more Yeah, more yeah well, we don't time. need to get into all that. The idea is, you know, we've got all this, these kinds of fantastic claims. Uh, we need to stay centered on, on our priorities, which is the Word of God. And, um, and that's one of the, I think, you know, people might not like the, our delivery at times, but, but we're really kind of like this voice in the wilderness, if you want to put it that way. We're, we're just calling out, hey, you know, don't believe, don't believe just because it's in a fancy video and it, and it appeals to your eyes and to, you know, your ears. It doesn't mean you can trust it, you know, just because someone's, and that, you know, and that, that was the other thing. It's, maybe we've bashed Strong's Concordance. I don't want people to to not use Strong's Concordance or to have a bad attitude about it, but recognize it for the tool that it is. Right? Use and and it's like good good uh, craftsmanship. You know, use a hammer for for the job a hammer's designed. Use a screwdriver for what a screwdriver's designed for. Don't try to you know don't use a tool that uh, inappropriately. You know, and that's what we're seeing time and again is people take a hammer to a to where all they need is a, you know, a screwdriver or something. I don't know. I, I you can tell. I'll, I don't only I only know a couple tools like a <laughs> hammer, a screwdriver. Yeah, uh, Rob and I are <laughs> Rob and I are, are are a challenge when it comes to fixing things. What's another tool? I'm like racking my brain. <laughs> <laughs> wrench. Uh, oh yeah, wrench. wrench. Yeah, there you go. So here, I got. There's another one. Uh, there's another. Uh, are you still naming tools? A little bit. Yeah. Well, I, I, did you want to? Yes, we can shift gears. Are, are, oh no! Here, here. Before we do, I have a quote. You know, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu spoke right before Congress the other day. It was great. If you haven't seen it, I or, or I watched it, but you know, if you can listen to it or watch it, it's very powerful. But Caleb, I, I had two clips. One of them. The Google clip, if you could play that. Okay, give me just a second uh, and here. And before you play it, I got to get it ready. The, uh, this is, I want to use this clip because this is something that, this is, you know, I usually say the internet is like dumpster diving. Mm-hmm. Okay, but there's also, it's a tool, right? Just like Strong's Concordance is a tool, the internet is a tool. And we can use the internet wisely. And for example... When, when the Copper Scroll Project claims come out, you can easily look, use the same tool to find out about the history of problems and to get more insight into the story, right? And that's the power of the tool that we have right now called the Internet. And, and uh, Benjamin Netanyahu made this comment uh, that I love. Go ahead. You can Google it. <laughs> You can Google it. <laughs> oh, that's going into the vault. So I like that. That's the, the strength Switch of using the internet. You can Google it. Switch and, to and so what we talk about here is stuff you can Google. 
you know? Uh, what was that um, one called? Hang on just a sec. What did, what, what did you I mean? called it BB Google. BB Google. Why am I not? Uh, okay. Um, interesting. And uh, did you want the other one now or is that for a later no, time? No, the other one that can hold off. Uh, but in any case, the, uh, this idea of using the internet, using, the, using Strong's Concordance, you know, uh, let's learn to, learn to use the tools in the manner they're designed and so that they can serve our mission, to serve our, uh, you know, what, the task that we're on. And that means we need to ask ourselves, we need to search our own hearts. What is it, what is it I'm trying to accomplish right now? Am I getting wrapped up in winds of doctrine and sweet selling, you know, sweet smelling things that, that are distracting? Or am I personally growing? Am I tending to the needs of my own spiritual growth? And am I being a good steward for the life and relationships for myself, my relationship with, with God between me and myself, relationship between myself and my, maybe if I'm married, my spouse, my siblings, my parents, you know, and, and my family, and then on to my local community, and then to, you know, on and on. I, am I being a good steward of that with the pure message of, of the gospel and not getting distracted by the noise of this nonsense? Um, I want to touch on this for just a second. I do not want to drag this out at all, but I want to touch on this for just a second. And that's this whole issue of uh, Matthew eighteen fifteen through 17. We get this a lot. We get this every week. Somebody says, oh, you should have gone to this person personally before you talked about them on your show or this organization. If you are a organization or a teacher who is publicly, and I don't mean publicly within your community, I mean publicly on the internet. This goes for me, this goes for Rob too, and it goes for Tor Resources as a, as a company. Uh, if we put something out, it's beyond the point of personal community. It's beyond going, it, it, we've gone beyond the personal uh, congregation that we're in, and now we've put it out onto to everyone else, which means that we are now beyond the point of someone personally coming to us and being like, hey, you know, let's, uh, let's talk about this. I think you're wrong here. Uh, we expect that people, and when we put something out into a public sphere like that, we expect that people are publicly going to to speak to it. And the same goes for other people. If you have a book that you've written, don't think that this is the, and you've published, don't think that, that now people should come to you personally and say that they have problems with it. You've openly put it out into the public sphere, which means that people are openly going to uh, talk about it and they're going to either like it publicly or they're going to reject it publicly. So uh, when it comes to those kind of things, it's just like, you know what? That reminds me of like a food critic who goes to a restaurant and then they write it. They write a review in the newspaper, you know, yeah. about their experience or a book review. I mean, there's book reviews all over the internet. If you're going to bad book, book reviews too, yeah, you could go and and that's just, that's just the deal, you know. I mean, there you go. There, use the internet as a tool again. Is it? But now, when I think that way, now I become responsible again. If I start using Strong's the way it's designed, if I start using Google as a tool. Now the responsibility is back on me to have to do the hard work of thinking and evaluating and learning rather than just blindly, you know, turning off my own brain and jumping on to this, this really exciting adventure that someone's producing for me Matthew, and selling me. Matthew 18 is for personal community and personal uh, relationship. It's not for uh, the internet teachers out there. 
If you're going to put something out on the internet publicly and that's going to affect thousands of people, then expect people to respond to it favorably and not favorably uh, publicly. Okay, let's move to the opening clip that we made. Um, so you might have heard the list of things. The the gentleman uh, with the spacey mu- music behind says, uh, are you suffering from? And then he r- goes down this list of things. Don't play it again. Uh, I, the, I don't have the original oh, clip. Right. I don't have the original clip without the Rob and Caleb show in there. Um, I just have the, uh, but I'll, okay, we'll play We'll play a little bit of it for you here. Here, here you go. Are you or your family experiencing the following ongoing traits? Scatteredness of mind, a lack of concentration, depression, uncontrollable anger, bitterness, resentment, worry, or stress. Do you and members of your family suffer from constant financial problems? I, I love that one. Constant financial problems. Uh, well, at the end of this, what he says, you may be suffering from. Well, what's actually there in the actual clip, this is from Sid Roth's It's Supernatural. What is actually there is generational curses. You might be suffering from generational curses. Uh, And then, uh, so Sid Roth on his show, It's Supernatural. By the way, you know, I don't have anything against Sid Roth personally. However, I was thinking, you know, anytime I need need to uh, have some good clips for the show that are either funny or I strongly disagree with, uh, go to Sid Roth's It's Supernatural because that's it's it's a breeding ground for those kind of clips. Um, I have nothing against Sid Roth personally. However, I was thinking the other day as I was watching some clips from his show, I thought to myself, man, if you put together all the stuff that he has had on his show, he never comes against anything. He never says, I don't think that's right. He always is like, oh my word, that's I can't believe that you just said that. That was the greatest thing ever. Uh, and if you put together all these things that he has on his show, then Sid Roth believes in some uh, uh, the extreme of everything. Well, remember we a couple of weeks ago we played some clips from Thomas Horn yeah. about the Nephilim. Yeah. One of the while I was just learning about who Thomas Horn is and what his what his message is, uh, one of I watched him in an interview with uh, another who he thought was a theologian on the it's sensational. Or it's a it is sensational. Show. Yeah, that it should be called it's sensational. Yeah, and and Sid Roth is the whole time there is just eating it up. Well, so he, he I, does with I, everybody. And, yeah, and, I have a limited experience, but but yeah, there's I've never seen any kind of say, hey, you know, wait a minute, the scripture says this. You know, there's no check. I can honestly say, and this isn't. I'm sure that there are programs that he has that are you know are on the up and up, but I can honestly say I've I've watched a lot of Sid Roth. It's supernatural. I can honestly say I don't think I've ever seen one person that he's interviewed that I agree with theologically. <laughs> There's not one. Every single time, it's not like Jonathan Kahn, you know. So he believes he he uh, believes in Jonathan. You know, he eats up Jonathan Kahn's theories of the harbinger and all that hook, line, and sinker, which a lot of people do. There, so okay. Uh, he he jumped on board with the uh, blood the blood moons, which a lot of people in the messianic movement also did. But then he had uh, uh, Chuck Missler on, so he you know, and he ate up that there are aliens, uh, you know, and and a lot of people believe in that too. I'm not saying all, all I'm saying is that if you just add all these things up, Sid Roth, and and you take it at face value that Sid Roth agrees with these people. Uh, then basically Sid Roth pretty much agree is at the extreme of every, what would you say, conspiracy theology there is. 
So, I mean, and there's, okay, whatever. Anyway, so um, we got this email from someone. And this person says, Deliverance in Healing Ministries. Now, I will say this is a long email. I did kind of cut and paste a little bit of this, but not very much. This is pretty much word for word. I just took out a couple of things that were a little bit redundant. But uh, she says, I was talking to a friend who is going to have a local deliverance ministry helper child who was adopted. She said that she wants deliverance from generational sins that may be in the child's background. I've heard others speak of generational sins and needing to be uh, delivered from them. I would hope that we would all have the same ability to speak with God and have our prayers answered and that he would count each believer's prayers to be as important as the next believer. Now, I, this, is a, this is a great point. Um, it's a great point because, for instance, in, um, when I traveled to the Philippines with my father, I traveled with him. My father was going to speak. He spoke for a week straight. I videotaped the whole thing. You can get that teaching at TorahResource.com. It's a teaching on uh, biblical prophecy and and uh, the book of Daniel. Anyway, we had a lot of people come up to my father and say, would you please pray for me? Or would you pr- please pray for my child? And I didn't really think, you know, I just thought, okay, yeah, you know, like whatever. I didn't really think of anything. But at nighttime, the, after the first day when, you know, a couple of people had asked my dad to do that, and I had, I had been next to him, we were in the hotel room, and my dad said, you know, that really kind of makes me uncomfortable. So why does that make you uncomfortable? People want, want you to pray for him. He said, that doesn't make me uncomfortable. I'm always willing to pray for people. But what makes me uncomfortable is that I feel like these people think that my prayer gets heard more than their prayer does. My prayer isn't any more important than their prayer. You know, they can pray for the, for the things that they want just as well as I can. I don't mind praying for them, and I'm, I'm happy to pray for them. But I don't want these people to think that for some, by some chance, I'm closer to God than they are. It's a very, very good point. And on this show, It's Supernatural with Sid Roth, he has this gentleman on, and the guy's name is uh, Graham Walsh. And uh, Graham seems like a, a genuinely uh, strong believer and, and whatnot, but some of the things that they talk about were, were a little bit disturbing to me. Well, not a little bit, a lot disturbing to me. One of the things is, is that uh, Sid Roth, at the end of the show, he wants Graham to pray over his whole audience to get rid of these generational sins. Um, and I kind of got the feeling that it was kind of the feeling that Graham Walsh's prayer was going to be more important or was somehow going to release these people from this generational sin. Whereas, you know, why wouldn't these people's prayers do the exact same thing? Uh, But we're going to, let's keep going because first of all, I will be full disclosure here, ladies and gentlemen, I don't believe in generational sin. I don't. And we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. So uh, this person goes on in the email. I I am, but I just stopped there to say that I agree that, uh, a deliverance ministry, I don't think that their prayer is any more strong or anything than your prayer or my prayer or anyone's prayer. If, you're, if you believe and you are a child of God, your prayer, prayer holds just as much weight. Um, the, and now we Exactly. Can- you know, and that, I think that I'm glad you brought this up because I'm reminded of James chapter 5. He says, therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another. Mm-hmm. that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And then he talks about Elijah praying. 
The idea is not that there was one person in their community that was like Elijah and that they all need to go to him. He's saying pray for each other. And then he's just encouraging, we're all being uh, given this exhortation to, to be righteous, to live righteously, you know, to live, to walk in God's will. Uh, not that one person does it and that that's the person we go to to intercede for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not, saying, I, 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 I'm not saying that there, you know, look, some people when they pray, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with faith. Some people have a stronger faith and whatnot. So it might seem like their prayer is being answered more. But honestly, I don't think that our prayers sway the will of God. I think yeah, he says he, he says your heavenly father knows what you need before you ask. Yeah. And I so mean, he, it, he just says to ask. So we ser- prayer is about us searching our hearts, right? Because <laughs> ultimately how how are we ask that his will be done. And that's the point is that you know prayer is not so that we can get stuff. We're not praying to God so that we can so that we can uh you know get the new car or so that uh you know it's not even so that we can have people healed. Uh, and that might sound like a contradiction to some people. Do we pray for healing for people? Absolutely we do. But the point is, is that what prayer is for us, or what prayer should be, is to strengthen our relationship with the Almighty. We don't come to the Almighty and try to control God uh, with our prayers. Do this, do this. And this is one of the things that has really disturbed me uh, with some of the threads. Not, you know... There was a horrible incident that happened uh, with uh, with uh, a Messianic leader named Eddie Chumney, uh, and I'm sure that most of our listeners already know about this, but his parents uh, were uh, taken out of their home and, and uh, ended up being murdered, and it was it was very tragic, and, very, you know, I was praying for, for Eddie. And oh, just heartbreaking. It was just really heartbreaking. Absolutely. Yeah, it was. Heartbreaking. And, and I can't, and there, it, it, this was very recent, so, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that they're still, they're still reeling from this. Um, and my heart goes out to, to Eddie and, and his family. I was praying for them, and, and my family was praying for them. Um, but w- but one of the things that really disturbed me when I was when that whole thing was going on was I was looking at at uh, some of the, th- the threads on the Facebook, you know, some of the comments that, in, that uh, were responding to some of the information that was coming out from Eddie Chumney's uh, ministry. And so there were several people this happened when michael just recently i don't know if our listeners know this or not but recently michael rude uh decided to that well he had a stroke apparently and he was in the hospital and the doctors told him that he needed $150,000 and uh if he get, to do the surgery because he didn't have insurance why he wouldn't just sign up for obamacare because they accept pre-existing conditions and pay the $6,000 deductible instead of raising $150,000 is beyond me I don't get that, but that's not the point. Anyway, he he raised one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in less than twenty four hours from the generous donations of people who uh, follow uh, Michael Michael Rood. Anyway, on both these threads, on both of these in the comments sections, there were people who uh, said things like, uh, "I call upon the name of of Jesus Christ or Yeshua the Messiah to uh, you know to do this and do, and the the way that they wrote these posts and these quote unquote prayers was really disturbing because it didn't sound like a prayer. It didn't sound like people were coming before the Holy one to, to uh, become closer to God or to ask what the Lord's will was or any of that. What it sounded like was that these people were trying to control God. If I, if I call upon the name of Jesus Christ, it has power 
and I can break, I can break whatever, you know, um, evil is going on. You know, it's the good luck charm. If I call on Jesus the right way, he's going to come, he's, he swoops down and he, he takes care of everything. That's not what prayer is, people. That's not how prayer works. We come to God and we try to align our will with God. That's what prayer is for. You can't have a relationship with, with, your, with your spouse or with your children or whatever if you never talk to them. You have to talk to them. It's the same with God. You have to talk, and God speaks to you through the Word and, and other means, but mainly through the Word, and uh, we have to talk back. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, maybe, we, maybe this is too, too much of a rabbit trail, but I hope that helps. Anyway, so let's keep going with this email. Why would my friend's prayers for her child's future be less than those of the people in the, in the deliverance ministry, ministry? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. I asked her the biblical basis for this. I think she's talking about uh, the deliverance ministry in general. I asked her the biblical basis for this, and I think it was Exodus 25 that she quoted. And yes, it was Exodus 25. I'll read that real quick for you. So this is the basis that Graham Walsh on It's Supernatural uses as well. Uh, It said, and this is, I think everyone should know that Exodus 20 is where we have the the first covenant, which is the, the 10 words. Uh, and this is given to Moses. It says, so in 25 and 6, he, uh, the Lord says to Moses, you shall not worship them or serve them. He's talking about idolatry here. So other gods, you should not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. So the deliverance ministry places, they take this verse uh, and this is like their go-to verse. And then uh, Graham Walsh also brings up another verse. He brings up Lamentation 5.7, which says, Our fathers sinned and are no more. It is we who have borne their iniquities. However, I think that Graham Walsh has, has taken this completely out of context. If you continue reading, uh, this is clearly talking about uh, basically, we're getting the brunt of what these people did because it says we're enslaved to we're we're serving the servants. We're enslaved to the servants. So, in other words, uh, you know, because our our families did something stupid temporally, we're paying the consequences. We're in slavery to we're in slavery because of them is basically what's being said. So, I don't think the lamentations really applies. Um, okay, let's keep going. This uh, the, uh, this email says, this also gets into demon possession, as some folks believe that is the cause of depression, autism, anger, etc. Part of the healing ministries I've looked at cast out demons. Where does one draw the line? Who gets to say if one is demon possessed or not? If I'm depressed, am I demon possessed? Do I need to be delivered from a past family sin or do I need to just take some vitamin B12 and get some exercise? Good question. Um, and this is basically what I want to talk about for the rest of the time is this idea of, of, uh, generational sin. Uh, so the two, I gave you two verses that Graham Walsh goes to, uh, the one question I would have for Walsh is what is he going to do with Ezekiel eighteen twenty? I'll take, I'll read this from the NSB and then we'll, then we'll get into some, some clips and, uh, try to. I don't know, try to, try to discuss this. So uh, Ezekiel 18.20 says, The person who sins will die. The son will not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity, nor will the father bear the punishment for the son's iniquity. The righteous of, uh, the, righteous of the righteous will be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. So I don't understand. You know, obviously we have to make Exodus 25 and 6 reconcile with Ezekiel 18.20. 
which I don't think is difficult because I think uh, Exodus eight, uh, 25 through 6, uh, Meredith Klein, who uh, everyone who listens to this show on a regular basis knows that I just love the work of Dr. Meredith Klein. He is now with the Lord. But uh, Dr. Meredith Klein did work on uh, the entire book of Deuteronomy, which is absolutely dynamite. And he talks about Caesar and Vassal treaties and how Exodus 20 is set up and then how uh, Deuteronomy is set up as a renewal treaty of a Caesar and Vassal treaty, which would be a renewal of Exodus 20. I think he's right, uh, to be honest. What do you, I mean, do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I, I think that we need that that covenant context is core for so much. Yeah, I agree. And, and we got to understand the different natures of the covenant and realize that that is a, it's, it reflects the way um, that in the ancient Near East, people conceived of, of even the word love is, is part, is informed by this covenant genre, you know, this idea of a, of a covenant and what does it mean what does love mean inside of a covenant rather than what is just love? I love pizza or whatever, you know? Absolutely. Well, and so Klein, his take on, on Exodus 25 through six, this is repeated in Deuteronomy, by the way, uh, which is, it should be because it's, it's a renewal tree. So Deuteronomy is going to repeat this section. But anyway, uh, so the Exodus 25 through six, Klein basically explains that, this clause is in a lot of the suzerain vassal treaties. The same kind of clause is in the in the suzerain vassal treaties that we see from the 14th century BCE, which is the time I and we could talk about the date of the Exodus. Some scholars place it in uh, the t- uh, 1200s, which is becoming less and less popular. Uh, I I think fewer and fewer scholars are placing in the in the 1200s. Most people place it in the 1400s, which makes sense because the uh, Exodus 20 as well as all of Deuteronomy follow the suzerain vassal treaties that we have from the 14th century BCE. So anyway, the point is, is that this clause, this kind of a clause is put in almost every single one of those suzerain vassal treaties from the 1400s BCE. And that is that basically the king will say, um, this covenant is going to bind you, but it doesn't just bind you. It binds your, your children and your children's children. And so even if you walk away from the covenant and you get, and you die, you know, you, you suffer the consequences. If your child thinks that they're not bound by it anymore, they are bound by it and their children are bound by it too. And so what, what Klein argues, I think he's absolutely right in his assessment of this verse of these two verses, it says, you shall not worship any other gods for I, the Lord am a jealous God visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the, on the children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. So I think what he's saying is, is if, if one of the covenant members walks away from the covenant says it doesn't matter and walks away, his child might think that his dad's right, but his child is still bound by the covenant, which means that, the curses of the covenant, if he, if he breaks the covenant, those curses will come upon him. If he keeps the covenant, the blessings will come upon him to the third and fourth generation. However, the Lord says that the blessings of the covenant, he will show loving kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. I think that this is a pretty clear, uh, if you take into account the covenant aspects of Exodus 20, I think that this clause is pretty clear. Personally, and I think, and not only that, but that makes it work perfectly with Ezekiel eighteen twenty, that a that a child cannot 
uh, bear the punishment of a father's iniquity. Okay, let's move over to uh, It's Supernatural in some of these clips. Um, hey, did you know, I, you know, Sid Roth, he was like raised in a traditional Jewish home. Yes, he was. Orthodox. And, oh, yeah, and so he comes to the evangelical world out of, out of that background and uh, understands his mission as, at least in the early days of his ministry, um, to get the gospel to Jews. Yeah. See, but, but the one thing, I, I could be totally so you'd wrong. Think that this, uh, you'd think he would understand this covenantal nature and context to what, to what this argument is about generational curses. I he, he, it seems to cut, it's like it doesn't register on his radar. I can't believe that, that Roth actually agrees with everything that is on his show. I think that he, you know, you can't have a guest, in his mind, you can't have a guest on and, and totally down him. True. That's what I would think. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he does, he does fully agree. But I've never seen him challenge anyone on any theory or anything that's, that comes onto his show. So anyway, this whole, this whole uh, deliverance ministry thing, this hits home because uh, I don't know if anyone has heard of this monstrosity. This is called A More Excellent Way. Be in Health, Spiritual Roots of Disease, Pathways, and Wholeness by Henry W. Wright. Um, this book, I have gone through this book. Uh, my wife and I have looked at it together. Uh, it was given to my wife to look at. Um, Is that like Christian science kind of thing? No, this guy, basically what this guy says. Oh, my word. This is so... Okay, um, if you if you like this book and you listen to the, you know you read this book a lot, um, I'm sorry. I just I think this is so, I I think this is so anti Bible in so many ways. It's unbelievable. I just opened to a random page, just opened it to the middle random page. Okay, and I'm on page now 270. So this is what he says: osteoporosis. If you have osteoporosis, the root of osteoporosis is envy and jealousy, which matches the word. The word says envy and jealousy result in rottenness of the bones. And he, then he cites Proverbs 14.30. The fruit of the root of envy and jealousy is rottenness of the bones. This is not only a physical problem, but a spiritual problem. The healing and prevention of osteoporosis begins in eliminating envy and jealousy from your life. Envy and jealousy are sins. So basically what this guy says is whatever ailment you might have, doesn't matter what it is, cancer, he's, he can tell you where that's from. You know, it's from a, a, a bad relationship with your parents. Um, you got, mm. you got hangnails. He'll tell you where that's from. You got, uh, you know, your hair's falling out. He'll tell you where that's from. So basically this guy eliminates the sinful world. You know, the, the fact that sin is in the world, death is in the, has entered the world through sin and now says, if you're sick, it's because you have sin in your life. What about, what about just the fact of God's glory, like in John nine with the blind man and they're asking him, they say, Rabbi. Who sinned? Did this man's parents sin? Did he was born blind? Yeah. And he's like, no, <laughs> neither he nor his parents sinned, but that the work of God might be displayed in him. Well, what about... Now, in other words, does he, is Yeshua saying these people never sinned? No. He's saying, but, but this is not... He's like, don't think that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what about Job? Don't assume that every, every malady in the world is due to directly due to someone's sin. This book totally undermines not only what Rob's talking about, but it, it totally undermines an entire book of the Bible. The book of Job. 
There you go. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but it also undermines the idea that that uh, sin is in the world. When sin entered the world, death happened. Uh, degradation of of things happened. Uh, it's just the way that our world works. This is absolute nonsense. And honestly, one of the reasons that I think it goes against the word is because what it does is it tells people, you know, it doesn't let people accept things. You know, if I have cancer... So, yeah, well, I think about my, my dear mother uh, who just had knee replacement surgery yesterday. Oh, it's, prob- it's probably it was, jealousy. Uh, it went well. She's in, good, <laughs> she's in good spirits. I visited her last night. Um, any case, she's suffered from, from osteoporosis. Does that mean I need to go have a serious talk with my mom about, about jealousy and what was the other one? Envy? This guy would say yes. And I'm like, I, I'm like that's like... But yeah. but but that, it's not just that guy. Okay, so l- let's listen to one of these clips. So I agree with you, and and uh, I didn't know about your mother, so I'm I'm happy that she's doing well. Uh, but uh, I I would totally agree with you. It's it's nonsense to think that oh, you know, just because somebody is having an ailment or somebody you know something is going wrong in your body, if I get cancer, it doesn't mean that I'm I might have sin in my life. God's punishing punishing me for sin. No, here's the thing. Guaranteed, I'm, you have sin in your life. Oh, absolutely. But the point is, is that is, <laughs> yes. that is that in the eyes of God, I don't. Right. That's what I mean. Exactly. In the that's, eyes of God, I'm I'm washed clean. This, now we're getting to the to the crucial matter here. Yeah. In the eyes of God, I'm washed clean through the through the shed blood of the Messiah Yeshua on the cross. In the eyes of God, I don't have sin. Okay. Let's listen to this. Listen to listen to what this guy says. This is Graham Walsh on It's Supernatural. Okay. And uh, yeah. Of uh, you're involved in praying for a lot of sick people, and you did a survey of how many of the people that were sick had some sort of demonic door that was open. What did you find out? I did this in 2004. 90% of the people I prayed for had a demonic cause. Okay, 90%. This guy says that 90% of the people that he prayed for, who knows how many that is. So I don't. Th- this isn't a good. Is he outlook? Is he say call me if you think you have a demon? And then he just goes to no, people who n- think no, n- no, no. He's selling his. He's selling stuff on how to be released from generational oh. curses. So in other words, he's saying buy my books. Uh, but the but the, but let's leave that alone for just a second. He says ninety percent of the people that he prayed for that that could be what ten people that could be have have uh, demonic. Uh, issues okay now this is key listen to listen to what the demonic issues might be that was causing them to be sick or diseased 90 percent generational curses generational curses is number one so who knows what that is that's you know you don't know so i I don't understand how he figures this out okay i'm gonna pray for you by the way do you have anything uh, do you have any demonic issues that are going on well, uh, you know, not not that I know of. Oh, well, since you're sick, since you're sick, it must be a generational sin, right? How does he figure out that this person has generational sin? Anyway, let's keep going. Listen, listen to the second thing he says. So generational sin is number one. Spirit of infirmity. Spirit of infirmity. How does he know that? It's, just like, it's like a diagnosis. Yeah what, yeah, what is a spirit of infirmity? So basically he's making this up. He, he, he's this 90% of the people that he's prayed for have demonic issues. The first two things that he cites are things that he just uh, has assumed. He has no proof of this. Well, and it's not a biblical category, right? There's yeah, no exactly. generational curse is not in the Bible. You know, I, 
Anyway, keep going. Spirit of infirmity is not in the Bible. Okay, and then the last thing he says, okay, I'll give him the, I'll give him the last one. Association with uh, Freemasonry and the occult. Well, you know, you know what I find when I study the scriptures? Oh, here we go, uh, Jesus prayed at least a third of the time to cast demons out of people. Here in the West, uh, we, you know, we're squeaky clean. We don't do it. But what if? A demon is causing this sickness versus just an ordinary sickness. And if you go after the ordinary sickness and don't go after the demon, no one's going to get healed. So you've got to really understand the difference between the two. So, so now we have Sid Roth jumping in and saying, oh, you've really got to understand the difference. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. If you are, uh, If you're saved by the blood of the Messiah... You know, I think that demon demon possession and, and these kind of things, uh, I, I'm not saying that demons might not interact with believers, but definitely demon possession. I don't think that uh, demon possession can happen unless the person willingly or, or knowingly or unknowingly ex- invites or accepts someone in. And I don't think that people who are truly truly saved by the blood of the Messiah can necessarily do that. That might be a, maybe I'm wrong. I, I wouldn't follow my sword for that one, that's for sure. But I think that uh, people who are truly saved by the blood of the Messiah are filled with the Holy Spirit. And I don't think that, uh, that the Holy Spirit is going to dwell somewhere that is also possessed by, um, by demons. I just don't buy that. Um, what do you think, Rob? Are, am I off? Well, I think of uh, Judas Iscariot, you know. Yeshua said, did I not choose you 12 yet? One, one of you is a devil. Yeah, but didn't but Ju- but Judas Iscariot? Do you think that Judas Iscariot was really uh, saved? Yeshua says no. to him, "It would yeah, exactly." No, by affiliate, he was he was part of the he was in the in group by affiliation by yeah. social affiliation, but his heart was elsewhere. You know, I mean that's that's evident. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and uh, here's the other thing: how come how come Yeshua didn't cast the demon out of Judas? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeshua, yeah. Yeshua knew. Oh, of course. So how could, you know, the idea of, and then we get to this idea of the elect, you know, and I know people, you know, don't kind of divide over that issue, you know, of, of God's sovereignty versus uh, this idea of free will that we, we want to have. And, um, but in any event, it's, it's clear. I don't want people to, to I, 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 I'm sorry, keep going. I was saying it's, I, the scriptures, I, I, I think this is another sensationalist kind of message out there. Yeah, I don't want uh, pe- I, generational curses. I don't, uh, I don't want people. Like to, I don't want people to think that I'm that I'm uh, you know saying that Walsh is is not saved uh, or anything like that. No, not at all. I'm just saying that this whole idea of, of generational sin this doesn't do anything for us. And let's just talk. Yeah, let's just learn the, the covenant, learn the commandments, learn what sin is. And and, and okay, let, let's play this clip. I got another. clip. This is Walsh again. Listen to what he he talks about. Okay. Uh, you shouldn't be alive right now. Tell me about the, the heart problems in your family. <laughs> okay, wait, hang on. I got to say this before I play this clip. So first of all, that that's Sid, of course. Our 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 chum, our our good chum, Sid uh, intros this clip. But the one thing that is hilarious about it's supernatural is that they try to find these actors that look like the people that they're interviewing, and then they have these recreations. <laughs> they have these recreations. We need to do that. Oh man, it is so fun, and it's horribly done. It's not well done. The actors are horrible. Like 
in this clip that I this not this clip but a clip that's going to come up, you'll hear this guy in the background going, "Oh!" And you know the and the guy who's playing Graham Walsh is supposed to be holding this guy down and and this guy is like supposed to be fighting back but he's not he's got like one arm off to the side that's not being held down and he's just like shaking uh, it, the acting is horrific it's it, honestly it's one of my favorite parts of it's supernatural is watching the horrific acting that goes on in these recreations so you'll hear the this music anytime there's music going on it, like it's it's this recreation that they're making as Graham Walsh is talking. Here you go. You shouldn't be alive right now. Tell me about the, the heart problems in your family. Yeah, we have four generations of heart disease in my family. My dad had his first heart attack when he was 38. Uh, he went on to have at least three a year. I, I grew up visiting my father in hospital. Uh, my brother, uh, he's a small guy. Uh, he had his first heart attack at 50. Uh, no, sorry, 48. He had quadruple bypass at 54. Uh, just back up, my dad had quadruple bypass at age 60. My sister, Angina, high blood pressure. She's had two shunts. That was the second generation. Third generation, my niece was born with a hole in her heart and died at the age of two years old having surgery to repair the hole. Okay, hang on just a sec. I got to stop it right there for, for right now. So what Graham Walsh now is saying is that because of generational sin, a two-year-old child has died. So nothing that this two-year-old child has done. She's not paying for the sins that she's done. She's died because of something that her parents did or her grandparents did. Can we find this anywhere scripturally? I, to me, to me, that is... is, the, is, is that, that's not tied in the, his worldview to any kind of atonement. Is, it, is he suggesting that then... Once, let's say this, it, it would this have precious to, child dies, that now that now like God's justice is appeased, does he have that part of in there? I don't. I don't. How could he not? Basically, what he's saying is, is that the reason that these things, that basically the wrath of God for you know for the sins that that uh, parents and grandparents have done, or great grandparents or great great grandparents have done, that this child is now suffering for him. So, in other words, for the first thing that you have is that you have the idea that every sin on this earth has a physical repercussion. I don't believe that at all. The wicked are going to say, look, you know, everything's going now, well. Sin already is in the world. Yeah, so, but people who are, people who are, are uh, living in sin are going to sit back and say, hey, this is great. Look, I, I get everything I want. I get everything I need. I, you know, uh, not all the time, obviously, but there, you know, there are some people, there are a lot of people, a lot of rich people who get all sorts of stuff, all the amenities that they want. You know, they, they think that they have, uh, you know, great family lives and all this kind of stuff. No, the, the punishment comes at death. It doesn't come. It doesn't always come in this world. Sometimes it does. Sometimes there are repercussions that happen. But the point is, is that no, it, it, just because you sin doesn't mean that you're going to have some kind of uh, repercussion happen here. It happens in the afterlife. So the idea that this two-year-old girl would die from uh, a hole in the heart because of a past sin—it's it's unjust to the parents. Did he go on to say what the sins were in his family? And uh, four years ago, my sister, who was unsaved at that time, her four-year-old son, grandson, developed heart murmurs. So one, two, three, four generations of heart disease. 
If you hadn't broken the curses in your side of the family, you don't know for sure, but do you think you'd be here right now? No, I'd be dead. All right, you heard that. Now, <laughs> there are curses. Can we pause for a second? Yeah. What about, you know, there's situations where families, you know, some, some company might be dumping toxins into the river, into their water supply. And so they right, could have a couple, couple generations that are exposed to the same toxins and they're all having the same. But someone on the outside, if they didn't know that, could say, oh, there's a generational curse here. You know? No, when no, no, fact, but, but it gets even worse than that because if, you, if you're actually saying that you can break genera- generational sins, and if, and if you take the, the stance that Henry Wright here uh, takes, that you can basically, if you repent, if you truly repent of sin, that all ailments going to go away, then basically what you've done is you've eradicated death. And I think that's what Christian science tried to do. Mary, uh, was it Mary Baker Eddy, the key to scriptures? She believed that, like, well, I don't know. It's, I, I remember reading through that book years and years ago, but there was something about that, something about how, except I think with Christian science, sin is said to be an illusion. So if, you, if, you, if you're in sin, it's because you're in an illusion. You're living in a false world or something. And then, uh, anyway, this one, so, this, back to this guy. Yeah, this, he, the, the, the story he's telling is that there was a, quote, generational curse on his family manifesting yeah. in heart disease and death and all through his family, multi-generational, and then how he's broke, he broke the curse. But, but what's interesting, Rob, is that I, I did a little bit more research on Walsh after he, and this is horrible, I'm, not, I'm just saying, after he went on to the Sid Roth show, uh, and I don't know what the time frame was, I think he went on Sid Roth back in 2012, since that time, I don't know how long, it, you know, when he actually did, but he had a stroke. So the question that I would have for him. So not even heart? It, no. Heart, his heart is like, is not a stroke, right? Okay. But still, the, the point is he had a stroke. So is that generational sin? Did he have a stroke because of generational th- sin? I thought he broke the curse of generational sin. Uh, but oh. it, but, but re- what really ticked me off is this next clip. Uh, listen to this. Sins and curses are part of the spirit world. They happen here on earth. But uh, the spirit world is eternal. And so uh, what happens if we sin today and we forget to repent of it? That opens a legal doorway in the spirit world. So bottom line is today's sin that you can forget of, Sid, can become tomorrow's generational curse in your family. What a horrible thing to say. What a horrible uh, misguided thing to say to people. If you, don't, if you don't repent for your sin today, your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren will be paying for it. Is that really the way that people think that, that salvation works? Let me tell you something, folks. The Messiah died from the foundations of the world. If you have accepted the Messiah and the blood that he shed on the cross, you're seen as forgiven. It has been stamped now, today. You are seen as forgiven. Some sin that you for you know this is Catholicism essentially. Oh, if you don't make it to the to the uh, confessional before you die, you're going to hell, or you're spending more time in purgatory. I mean, this is a this is a this is a Catholic belief. This is not how how can people say that they're they're evangelicals uh, and say that our sin our sin isn't forgiven, or that you're going to pass your sin down from generation to generation. This isn't how the scriptures speak. What do you think, Rob? Am I off? No. 
no, I, I, I follow what you're saying. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Thanks. Um, I got one last clip here. We're, we're coming, we're wrapping it up folks. Don't worry. One last clip here. You know, this is, this goes back kind of what we were saying about prayer. If someone else prays for me, it's going to matter more to God than if I pray. Uh, but this guy, Walsh, uh, he talks about communion. And uh, basically, it's like the Jews, the Jewish people believing that the Hamza, which is the upside down hand with the eye in it, is an is a amulet. Basically, you know, if you wear it, you're going to be kept safe from demons and evil spirits. Uh, people used to accuse the Jews of, uh, of the, thinking the mezuzah would protect their homes. That's not what the Jews believed. It never has been. Um, maybe it is in modern times, I, but I've, no, that's not true. Anyway, this Walsh gentleman seems to believe in communion as the same. And we can talk about communion as, as Passover is coming up. I personally do not believe that communion, taking bread and wine on Sunday service or whatever, uh, in your home, uh, you know, as I don't believe that's Commun- I don't believe that that's what Yeshua was talking about. When he says, do this in remembrance of me, and I know that uh, yesterday I got into, that, into this debate on Facebook with one of my friends, Nathan. Um, he was arguing that Yeshua didn't celebrate a Passover Seder. I think he absolutely did. And I think, I think it's pretty clear. When he says, do this in remembrance of me, I think he's talking about the Passover Seder. And so, you know, I think, I think you can do quote unquote communion once a year at Passover. That's when you can do communion is once a year. I don't, I think that, uh, the rest of it is man-made. I think it's made up. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with having a tradition of, of breaking bread and and taking juice and saying, you know, this should remind us of of what the work of the Messiah on, on the cross. It's just not what Yeshua was talking about when he said, do this in remembrance of me. I don't believe. Anyway, listen to what he says about communion. This is what Walsh says about communion. I was in Korea, and this, uh, we were preaching, and uh, this man was manifesting, and I had to talk through an interpreter. And as I spoke to the pastor, this man had been in the church for four years. <laughs> there's, the, there's, the, there's the recreation of the guy, the guy screaming in the background. But every time the anointing of God came on him, he manifested demons. So what had happened was that the the pastor had assigned four men permanently to him every time he came to church to hold him down. And so anyway, he was shaking and baking on the floor. And uh, <laughs> Is that where that term came from? <laughs> I think so. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, I said to the pastor, go and get communion. So we went and got communion, and I got down beside this guy, and I, in my younger days, I had been involved in a few physical activities, so I put my arm around him quite tightly. And so you're going to have communion. Of course, the demon didn't want that, and he's going... So I got the communion, I, I, I grabbed him, and I put the communion in his mouth, and I went like this. And I, I held his nose, and I held his, held his chin until he swallowed it. And within 10 seconds, that man was totally set free. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? In 10 seconds, he was set free. You have no idea the power of the communion. You have no idea the power of the communion so basically what i'm getting from this is that this gentleman actually believes that that bread and that this is like once again where you go back to catholicism it's like transubstantiation it's like the it's like the the bread and the and the juice turned to the body of christ and the blood of christ and that's what what uh, made this demon stop 
I hate to tell yeah, Grant. And, and he, the word communion, I guess he means the bread, right? Or he's like a wafer. Yeah. Right. What's upsetting about this is that basically <laughs> this, this gentleman is now saying that there's some kind of power within bread and wine. Either that or he's saying that it, it you know, he believes in transubstantiation. How, is, how does bread and wine, or bread and juice, whatever you want to say, how does this uh, have any power? You know, and then of course Sid Roth, oh, can you, do you hear the power of the communion? Really? Is this what people are believing? You know, even the even the uh, even at the even at the Passover Seder that Yeshua had, Judas was there, right? He was celebrating the Passover Seder with with Yeshua. It doesn't seem like the demons left him. Ladies and gentlemen, I I'm I just think that. It, if you believe in generational sin, I think you need to reassess that. If you believe that every ailment that happens is because of a demon or because of some sin that's in your life, reassess that too. That's not the case. You know, sometimes the Lord uh, gives us trials and he does that to strengthen us sometimes, to make us realize things, to do soul searching. You know, uh, there's a gentleman in our congregation right now who has uh who has a brain tumor, and uh, they it, it, they just found out about it very recently. Very strong believer in the Lord, you know, and and uh, his family's taking it very well. But I asked his son, who's my age, I asked his son, I said, uh, how, how's, how's your mom and dad doing, and, you know, how are you guys doing? He said, actually, we're doing really, really good. And that wasn't exactly what I was expecting to hear. He said, you know, uh, last night and the night before, we just spent a lot of time, you know, as a family in prayer. I think it's been really good for my parents because they've spent a lot of time, uh, you know, praying and communing with God where I don't think that they normally would have. You know, they, they, they pray a lot, but th- this is like extra time is basically what he was saying. You know, like this is like extra time that, that they would have uh, maybe not necessarily spent in prayer. And that's been really good because they've really enjoyed those times of prayer. And I just thought, okay, you know, this this gentleman is, uh, you know, he has a terminal brain tumor. It's probably going to uh, lead to him being with the Lord a lot sooner than his family expected. Uh, unless the Lord does a, a healing work in him. But, uh, you know, the point is, is that is it because this gentleman has some sin in his life that he has a brain tumor? Or is it because maybe the Lord wants him to talk to him more? The Lord wants him to spend time of prayer with his wife uh, and so they can grow stronger not only with each other, but uh, with each other and the Lord. Maybe it's as easy as that. It's, I, I just cannot believe, you know, especially with, this, with the uh, Ezekiel 18.20 passage. I just can't believe that, that uh, people believe that something my great-grandfather did is the reason that I'm sick today. Or the reason that I have, you know, a brain tumor, or the reason I have cancer or whatever, is because I have some unforgiven sin in my life. This is not the way the scriptures speak. What the scriptures say is that we are saved and that the slate is washed clean. It's wiped away. The Lord sees us, if we are believers, if we are truly the elect, the Lord sees us as 
sinless because of his son Yeshua. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, and and like you said, I mean, uh, we are also his children, meaning he corrects us, right? We're not. It's not like we're without correction, and there's all sorts of manner, like you alluded to earlier, that our heavenly Father will get our attention, and and you know when we need some shaping up in this or that area. But he still has, sees us with the joy, looking at us in the joy of Messiah as as his children, you know, and um. Boy, you know, that, that comes out loud and clear in the scriptures. So, um, you know, I, I, I can empathize, you know, with, with a, when you have family with, with heart disease or any other kind of problem. I mean, we, you know, there's, I, I know people who are diabetics, who are, have lost limbs, you know, and things like this. And that, you know, that could be seen as a disease when, in fact, you know, diet. And they're, they're yeah. simple things yeah, exactly. that aren't the diet and exercise, you know, just some basic things like that, that really make a big difference. And that's just common medical knowledge, you know? Um, so I just don't think we, scripture teaches us to look for a demon behind every corner and under every rock, you know, and, and, and around every turn, there's probably a demon behind the scenes. You know, I, I don't think that we're taught to look that way and to think that way. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. Hey, there's a really cool, um, if you want to play that last clip from Netanyahu, I loved it. He quotes, this is, I, I, it was, I just thought it was cool because here he's in front of Congress, right? Here, this is a historical moment, right? We have Prime Minister of Israel speaking to Congress, and uh, he quotes the Torah in Hebrew. <laughs> I love it. And he quotes, maybe people have heard it, it's uh, Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. That is, that's Deuteronomy 31.6, the first half. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. And it continues, it says, For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you. I love that. And I, that was just such a powerful moment at the end of this uh, speech when he quoted that in Hebrew. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, well. But uh, that's so true, right? I mean, and this, you know, he's talking about the blessings of the covenant. Back to this idea of, of uh, suzerain vassal, right? Uh, a covenant where there are blessings, right? And the blessings are there. And that's what Moses is recapping here at the end of of the book of Deuteronomy. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't tremble at them. And he's talking about the nations of the world, but it could be this idea, you know, fear of demons or Nephilim or whatever. You know? It says, the Lord your God walks with you. That's what it says. And that's, that's such an awesome promise. It, it, but do we have the simple faith to just, to actually believe that? Do we have the faith just that just is simply accepts like a child with a, like at the heart of a child, just believing, yeah, my heavenly father's walking with me and I'm confident. No doubt. Uh, you know, one of the things that we haven't said yet today is happy Purim to everyone. Today is the day of Purim. And, uh, we hope that you had a great Purim that, you know, that we could have talked about, there's some t- teachings going on on the internet about is, is Purim demonic? 
or is it from the occult or is it does it have pagan origins? One of the guys, there's an Australian teacher who who taught that that it's it has pagan origins. Uh, his audio in that in that uh, whole thing is so bad I couldn't listen to it. It was uh, it's distorted. It's way up too high. Oh, but, that from, from our standards, that must be pretty bad. <laughs> but beyond that, uh, the answer is absolutely not. It says in Esther, you should remember this. You should celebrate this each each year. So uh, yeah, I think that's is pretty he saying obvious. it shouldn't be in the Bible. I don't know what he's saying. To be honest with you, I don't know because what? I'm I, the audio was so horrific. It was it was impossible to listen to. Mm. Um, but happy Purim to everyone. If you don't know what Purim is, go read the book of Esther. That is the celebration of Purim. And uh, we hope that you ate way too much hamantashen. If you don't know what that is, then definitely get online and learn how to make them. Because if they are made correctly, oh my word, they are one of my favorite. I'm thinking another uh, In the Kitchen with Caleb video should be coming up here. But uh, you know, actually, they're pretty too late for that. They're pretty easy. Well, you know, I can I can prepare it for next year. That's right. Um, you know, I, we haven't given, we haven't told people how to get a hold of us in a really long time. If you want to get a hold of us, uh, you can email me personally, C Hag, that's C H E G G at torresource.com or R Van Hoff's, R Van Hoff, two F's in Van Hoff. Yeah, R. Van and you Hoff know what? Uh, we, we appreciate, we think, even for people who disagree, you know, we've got, I think next week we're going to get to some people who've kind of protested about certain things that we can talk about. Um, thank you for your emails. Whether yeah. you're for or against, we appreciate it. And we just because if we don't get it to it one week, we, we hope to work it in in the future. So uh, I, I, I like reading comments and emails from people. Well, honestly, it gives us uh, one of the nice things that the emails give us is the ability to see what our audience wants to hear, what they want us to talk about. And uh, we might not be the foremost authorities on everything. Uh, but we hope that if we uh, if we're able, we can get to some of the some of the questions and some of the topics that you guys want us to talk about. We're a, we're opinion pieces, yes. right? Well, that's, that's yeah, we're an opinion part. piece. We're well, giving you our, our opinion. Sometimes, I mean, the the copper scroll thing that wasn't opinion. That's just that's true. That's we're just not, straight up fact. That's, that's uh, yeah, good point. There's there's not that 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 is an opinion piece. That's showing fact. Um. Anyway. Yeah, uh, we hope that you had a good time. Uh, don't be afraid of generational curses. That's what I hope you came out of this show believing, or uh, maybe we shed some light on it for you. And just remember that you can always take uh, joy and comfort in one thing, and that is that you your sin has been covered by the blood of our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah.